coming to you live from Canada. Here comes your game-changing, life-transforming, turning point moment. <clears throat> yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church. Powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca. Turn with me to Hebrews 6, verse 9. Hebrews 6, verse 9. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promise because of their faith and endurance. Let's just pray. God, we thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you that um, despite the road conditions and uh, the snow and the ice, God, that um, we all got here safely, Lord. And I just pray that um, as I go into this word, Lord, that you'd open the the ears and the hearts um, of all of us in the place today, God, that you'd speak through me, Lord, and Lord, we also pray for Pastor Brett as he's flying to Indonesia. God, we pray that you would have your hand over him, um, that you protect him, God, and that he would just be able to um, serve well in Indonesia, God, and that the churches there would be blessed by his ministry. God, we thank you for who you are and what you're doing in this place today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the last few weeks, uh, Pastor Brett has been speaking about dreams, and specifically uh, the dream that King David had to build God's temple. So If we just go way back, King David um, was the greatest king in Israel's history, and he wanted to build God a temple. And so he asks God, hey, God, can I build you a temple? And God says, yeah. And then the next day, God sends a prophet to David and says, you're not the one to build my temple. There's been too much bloodshed. There's been too much sin in your life. Not that there was like a ton of sin in David's life, but the whole Bathsheba thing. And, uh, And so... He said, your son is going to build the temple for me. And so, so David, you know, he had this dream. He had this vision in his heart that he wanted to build this temple, but God didn't let him do it. And so what he did is he pretty much did everything except for build the temple. You know, he got all the wood ready. He got all the stone ready. He got all the land ready. You know, all that like um, diplomatic tape that you got to cut through. He did that for Solomon. So as soon as Solomon was ready, he was able to just build this temple. Now, for many of us, um, we have, we've had dreams growing up, even though some of us wouldn't call them dreams, we'd call them expectations, or we'd call them plans. Uh, but whatever we want to call them, we're looking for something that we can accomplish that will either build our house or build God's house. So I find it really interesting that over the past, I believe, five weeks, Pastor Brett has been speaking about dreams, and then it's kind of worked together with with work. And at our Bible studies that we have on uh, Tuesday night, so if if you guys are interested in a Bible study we have on here on Tuesday night, it's called How's Your Soul? There's a young adult one on Monday night called How's Your Soul as well? Um, And so we've been going over, we've been going through this Bible study, and the Bible study is talking about rest. And so we come to church on Sunday, and we hear, we hear Pastor Brett preach about work, and then we go to the Bible study on Monday or Tuesday, and we hear Judah Smith talking about rest. And so I've been going to these Bible studies and I've been kind of wrestling with this. How do we, how do we rectify this dichotomy? How does someone 
have rest for their souls, but also at the same time work. When I think of rest, uh, it draws my mind to a few things. The first thing that rest draws my mind to is when I was, I don't, I don't know how old I was, but I was younger, probably before I was in junior high. Um, Saturday morning would mean I got to sleep in. So I'd sleep in until probably like 10 or noon or something like that. And I would wake up and I would go, I would head downstairs and my dad would be like doing work outside or in the kitchen or whatever. And he'd say, hey, Seb, you want some eggs? So, I mean, of course I'm going to say yes. He doesn't want eggs on a Saturday morning. So my dad would prepare these eggs, and as he'd prepare them, I'd go downstairs, and I'd start watching TV. And we only had, like, peasant vision, so it was, like, the weirdest CBC programming that you could imagine. Um, it's so weird that one morning I remember that the host of the morning show was explaining to kids how to make a sandwich with bread, salsa, salsa chips, and peanut butter. And I went upstairs and I made it and it was amazing. So honestly, CBC's knows what's up. So my dad would be making this, my dad would be making these eggs for us. He'd, he'd make two pieces of toast and he'd slice the pieces of toast into little fingers and you bring it down and you dip the fingers into the yolk and it's just like literally magical, right? So when I think of rest, that's what I think of. But it's funny that as I started getting older, when I would sleep in in the morning, I'd sleep in too late or spend the whole day watching TV, I would get so frustrated and feel like I was wasting my life. I'd feel like, what am I doing? And it would just be that feeling in me like, I gotta get out of my house. So I started finding rest in other things like hanging out with friends. And then all my friends got married and now some of them are having babies. Uh, so I turned to another thing that I find rest in, which is cooking. And so I started cooking a lot. And in order to cook, you got to buy groceries. And because I cook so much, then I buy all the groceries, then I don't have any money, so then I have to work more. So this whole rest thing is very elusive. So how do we, how do we receive this elusive rest? Well, Pastor Brett explained last Sunday that throughout our lives, our, our belief system is shaped by school. And one of the things that we've been programmed to believe is that the weekend is for rest, that summer is for rest, and that the rest is for work, no pun intended. That actually did happen naturally, so I didn't, you know, I didn't think about that one. The Bible has laid out a plan for us to find rest, even amidst the work of pursuing the building of our house and of God's house. So Pastor Brett's been using the creation account of Adam and Eve um, in Genesis to show us how God planned for us to live. God set out a plan um, and a precedent before Adam ate the fruit and sin came into the world that we would work and that work was in fact healthy for us. So I know for myself, like Pastor Brett the last few weeks has been talking about how like Adam had the sweetest job ever, right? He was like, Pastor Brett thinks that Adam was riding on a lion doing all of this stuff, you know? Just crazy. I don't know how big a lion is. I don't know if one could support my weight, but it may, may be a kid or something. Okay, well, it sounds like they can. So, so Pastor Brett has made it sound so great, but I'm sure for any parents out there, you understand that naming is probably a pretty big job, right? Like the first kid, you know, you got a few, a few names in the barrel, you know, you're ready to just go. Okay, that's a great name. Second kid, you got another one. But like, like Phil in the back, you know, he's got like 17 kids. He got to Wyatt and like his wife asked like a question and he thought she said why, she said what at the same time. And they're just like, oh, Wyatt, that's the name of our next kid. You know, so naming, it doesn't sound like the greatest job to me. 
And I feel like, I mean, I actually started a list of baby names myself like six years ago because I'm just like, I don't want to deal with that later. I'm going to be stressed about babies enough. Like, I just want to have a list. And in like six years, I have four names that are actually like quality. Like, how is that possible? So Adam had to name all these animals and just thinking about naming like a thousand animals makes me tired. Yet Adam was in paradise. There was no toil. There was no striving. There was no possibility to quit his job because if he wanted to quit his job and start his own company, then in order to have his first customer, he'd have to have a baby and it would have to grow to be like 20 years old. So it's kind of counterproductive. So if Adam was doing work that I would consider tedious and tiring, how was he also at rest? Well, I want to discover that with us today. So the first thing that we need to understand is that when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, our work became restless. So if you turn to Genesis 3.17, it says, And to the man he said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat of its grain, by the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Now, I know a lot of us can, can read this verse and relate to it. Um, when I was growing up, I always thought I wanted to be a farmer because my dad grew up on a farm in Viking, Alberta. And so I, I thought, you know, I want to be a farmer. And then my dad would tell me stories about, like, what his Saturday looked like. So, you know, my Saturday, I'd go downstairs, get eggs, watch this weird cartoon, you know, eat these weird sandwiches. His Saturday, he'd wake up really early. He'd come down expecting his dad to make him eggs. And his dad would say, get in the truck. We're going to the field, and we're going to pick rocks in the field. Sounds like a horrible Saturday. So I was just like, I'm not, I'm not really into farming. I think there's probably machines for that now, but either way not interested. But when I was 20, I actually got a job doing landscape maintenance. So for anyone who at any point has done landscaping, you know what kind of work it is. It's, it's the worst kind of work. Every like 16 to 22 year old has done landscaping, male, some females too, has done landscaping and you realize that it is like backbreaking work. You get paid like minimum wage but you do it because it's the most available job and they're going to hire someone with zero experience and that just has like a high school diploma or doesn't even have a high school diploma. So I got this job. For two years, I worked as, as a landscape, doing landscape construction. Construction is like laying down sod and like raking all the dirt and stuff. And I had horrible experiences doing this. So I was like, I'm done with landscape construction. I'm going to move into the landscape maintenance world where you get to cut grass. Now, I grew up in St. Albert, and when you live in St. Albert, you see like 15 of these like high school students cruising around on those awesome tractors, and you're like, how do they get that job? So that's what I was thinking in my mind I was going to get, this sweet city of St. Albert job. Well, what I actually got was a job at this other company, and this company had a contract to do Home Depot's spring cleanup. So in my mind, I was going to be going and mowing grass, but what actually happened is we we ended up having to go to Home Depot. And so the first week, um, you know, I was just doing, the first week wasn't horrible. I actually was mowing grass. Uh, I went to the Patricia, the Nate Patricia campus or whatever it's called. And it was, it was kind of brutal because it was so early in the season that the company had decided not to pull out their big lawnmowers that you could like ride on. So they just had a push mower. 
And I had to push mower without assisted wheel the entire Nate Patricia campus. It, was, it wasn't great, but it was, you know, at least you get to smell the nice grass and, and gas and all that mixed together, right? But this, the, the, on the Friday of the first week, my boss tells me, okay, Saturday, I want, or next Monday, I want you here at 4 a.m. And I'm just thinking, like, 4 a.m., are you kidding me? But I knew that I had to make money because I was wanting to go to university and I needed to, I needed to support myself to go to university. So I was like, well, 4 a.m., that means extra hours, I guess. So I woke up that Monday morning at like 3.30 or probably more like 3.55 and sped all the way to work. And when I arrived to work, I got into a truck and, and me and three other people went to the Home Depot in St. Albert. And we get there and they say, okay, your job is to clean the parking lot, which doesn't sound like that bad of a job if you had like a bobcat with like one of those brushes on the front that would make a lot of sense to use because it would take 10 times less time. Well, instead they handed us push brooms and they expected us to go around the whole parking lot with these push brooms and sweep this parking lot. Ridiculous, right? So I was upset, but I was like, whatever, it's not that bad. And so I was working like 14 to 16 hour days. And then the Wednesday we were all done cleaning the whole parking lot and our boss comes to us. And I think they were at the point where they're just trying to like make work for us to do, which are the worst kind of projects. And what they asked us to do is they asked us to go to every single mulch bed. So mulch is like the, those wood chips that smell really good when they're fresh, but they don't look very good after like one year. And they asked us to go to all those mulch beds and to take the gravel out of the mulch beds. But how do you even do that? Like, are you supposed to like take a piece of wood out and like brush off the gravel, place the wood back down? Like, it doesn't make sense, right? So I'm thinking, okay, I'll pull all the mulch out onto the cement, I'll sweep out whatever, and then I'll put each piece of mulch back individually, which would also be a pain. But no, they didn't want us to pull the mulch out. We had to work around the mulch. So I'm working all day, every day, trying to get this stupid gravel out of this mulch that is so pointless. So I do this for like four days. At the end of four days, all the mulch beds are done. They look mediocre at best. And... You know, I feel kind of satisfied because I'm like, well, I did what I could. Well, we come to work on Monday and they had decided over the weekend that they were just going to replace all the mulch in the parking lot and put new mulch in. So I literally worked for four days completely pointlessly. See, when Adam ate the fruit in the garden, it made our work restless. It made it something that we toil over. I think there are people here today that feel like they're toiling, like they're trying to draw gravel out of the mulch in their workplace, or maybe they're trying to get a company going, maybe they're working for the man, or maybe that's simply working a job that they don't love. But the amazing news is that God still desires that we have rest, even after the fall. God still desires that his people would have rest. When the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, God sent Moses to free them from their bondage and to bring them into, the, into their inheritance and rest. So if we turn to Exodus 22... Verse 13. Now, I don't hear any paper out there. So you guys, for all you guys know, I could be looking in here, something I wrote myself and reading it to you, passing it off as scripture. So, you know, it's good to bring your Bible. You know, you always want to look at the sources. I'm, I'm not lying to you, but, um, but you should always verify what is, what is being spoken. So uh, Exodus 33, verse 12 to 14. One day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you'll send with me. 
You've told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine with you. So as God delivered the Israelites out of bondage, out of the bondage of Egypt, now if you don't know how the Israelites were, um, were taken out of the bondage of Egypt, I encourage you to watch the movie The Prince of Egypt. Uh, great movie, great soundtrack. It will save me a lot of time right now. So go home, that's your homework. Watch The Prince of Egypt. And you can see how God delivered the Israelites out of the slavery of Egypt. So God delivered them. They head to the Red Sea and they cross the sea and they head towards the promised land. And when they arrive at the promised land, they decided, you know what, we should probably send some spies ahead, just do due diligence. You know, God says this is the promised land. So I'm just assuming that there's a whole bunch of sheep in this whole pasture and they're just like mowing the grass for us so we can just go set up our tents and everything's great. And so they sent these 12 spies into, into the land. And the 12 spies go and they find this like huge like thing of grapes and they bring the grapes back and they're like, check out how many grapes are in this vine. Like this is incredible. So they're all stoked on these grapes. But then 10 of the spies say, yeah, the grapes are huge, but you should see the people there. They're like Seb's great, 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 great grandfather. And they're just like these crazy big people. And so... So they tell all the Israelites, like, hey, like, it's, it's, it's nice land, but there are, there are some pretty big people there. I don't know if we want to do this. And because they sent these spies in, they delayed on their inheritance. You know, they could have looked at their time in Egypt. They could have looked like, hey, you had an entire nation that was putting you as slaves. You know, you had um, all of these people that were trying to hold you back, and yet God released you from them. And then you escape from them, and you go to the Red Sea, and then you start doubting again. And then once you get to the Red Sea, I open the Red Sea for you. And then you cross the Red Sea, and you get to the other side, and you get to this promised land. And you get there, and you think that the people are too big. And so because of their lack of faith, God sent them back into the wilderness for 40 years. One theologian put it this way. Now we can understand what the wilderness wanderings represent. The experience of believers who will not claim their, their spiritual inheritance in Christ, who doubt God's word and, word and live in restless unbelief. To be sure, God is with them as he was with Israel, but they do not enjoy the fullness of God's blessing. They are out of Egypt, but they are not yet in the promised land. Our humanist often gets the better of us, and rather than being willing to enter into the promise of rest that God has given us, we try to stay where we are. The Israelites saw the enemies that lived in their, in their inheritance, but they weren't willing to put the work in that would have brought them to their rest. They didn't have faith that God would accomplish what he said. How often do we do the same thing? We have worked so hard to accomplish a dream. Pastor Brett talked about how he was in the band, and, and I was going to talk about how I was in a band too, you know, at one point, but I figure we've heard enough about bands. And so you get to this point where you've accomplished your dream or, or you think you're in your dream and then something new comes up. And rather than, rather than walking out and working to accomplish another dream, we, st we try to stay where we are. We try to hold on to that. Maybe God has given us a dream to bring us to where we are, like Pastor Brett was saying last week. Hebrews 4.11 says, 
Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience that the Israelites did. See, God's desire for us is that in our toiling, we find rest in him. In our work, in our dreaming, in our pursuing, in our running after that which is in us, we will find the rest that only God can bring. See, the Israelites didn't understand that rest comes from faith. God takes our response to his word and accomplishes his purpose in our lives with it. For Adam, rest was found in work and in per- and being in a perfect relationship with God. For the Israelites, rest was found in having faith in God and following his word. And for us today, rest can only be complete through Jesus Christ. See, Adam was at rest because he was in a perfect relationship with God. And today, our relationship with God can be made perfect through Christ. Our level of faith and our relationship with Jesus will dictate the level of rest that we experience through God, God's presence. So that verse that I read at the start is Hebrews 6, 9 to 12. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that, you will, that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promise because of their faith and endurance. See, today our choice isn't whether we're going to eat fruit from a tree in the garden or not eat that fruit. Today our choice is if we're going to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Both are just a single decision. You eat the fruit, you don't follow Jesus. And both either separate us from God or bring us into a perfect relationship with him. Now it's easy to say, of course I would have faith in God to pursue a dream, but I'm just separating gravel from mulch. How can I have faith doing that? Well, Colossians 3, 23 to 24 says, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working to the Lord, for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. See, when we put our faith in, when we put our faith in Christ and we find rest, there should be evidence of that rest. There should be new dreams sparking up. There should be new directions that we're heading. There should be rest for our soul. We shouldn't feel anxious. We shouldn't feel worried. We shouldn't feel afraid. There should be evidence this week, I downloaded this new app for my iPhone um, by the request of one of my roommates, actually, and it's called Snorlab. And, you know, I deny that I snore because, honestly, I got my adenoids taken out or whatever they're called, altoids, tonsils. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> I got my altoids taken out. That's a candy, I'm pretty sure. Um, so I got those taken out when I was 13. So that had to have fixed the problem of me snoring, right? So my, my roommate texted me this app, so I downloaded it because I'm like, whatever, this is just going to prove that I'm right. And so I downloaded it, and I, I use this app. And the app has three separate levels. One is, like, mild, one is, like, loud, and the top one is, like, epic, okay? And so what it does is it records you for, like, I think 15 minutes six times during your sleep. So I... I put this, this thing down, and I go to sleep, and I wake up the next morning, and honestly, it was pretty good. I had like one spike into loud, 
But otherwise, it was all in mild. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. And you can actually go back and listen to the recordings. So, so you know, I'm listening to the recordings. I'm like, oh, this mic is totally like amping up how loud I snore. Like, did you hear how loud that bed squeak was? That's not actually how loud it is, right? So, you know, to continue proving my point, I'm like, I'm going to put this app on again. Well, unfortunately, the second night, the app made a fool out of me um, because I reached Epic about four or five times while I was sleeping. And so I'm listening to this snoring and like, you know, I, I actually was going to the doctor to see if there was anything wrong with, I had sleep apnea or something. And then like, I look at this graph that the thing has and it's like, it shows me breathe and then stop breathing for like four seconds. And then like breathing, and I'm like, that's normal, right? Like, I don't need to, I don't need to reschedule my appointment. And so, so I just think like this mic is probably just amplifying how loud I snore. And then Haley, my fiance, she also downloaded the app and she's like, I actually don't snore. And so she put the app on and she showed me her graph and I think she probably put a piece of tape over the mic or something. <laughs> but hers literally, you can't even see a single little bar even in the mild section. So. Either she's dead or she's cheating somehow. <laughs> so all that to say, there should be evidence of our rest. Just like when I'm sleeping, there's evidence that I'm sleeping through this snore app. There should be evidence that we're resting in God, that he's, he's bringing us into new places, that he's changing our lives, he's changing our character. So how does all of this tie back to the dream sermon that we're going through? You see, I could look at my landscaping job and shrug it off as unimportant, but the only way that I was ever going to go to school to reach that dream of getting a diploma and a degree of working in a church was to work at a job that I didn't love, that I actually hated. As we sometimes just grind it out, God will bring us into the inheritance he promises. See, the rest that we get probably doesn't look like we want it to. It doesn't look like sitting on a beach or traveling or sitting at home watching cartoons and eating a salsa sandwich. The rest looks like trust in Jesus and being satisfied in that. As those who put our faith in Jesus, we know that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. We can rest in the knowledge that while we work, and sometimes it seems like we're heading the opposite direction that we thought we, that life would take, God is also working on our behalf and he's bringing us into the inheritance in Jesus. Hebrews 6.17 says, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God had given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. What an encouragement to know that as we place our faith in Jesus and we walk into the inheritance that he promises, that we will find rest because he's the anchor to our soul with hope. So I remember a few years back, um, and, and I don't know, this, this could very well offend some people in here, but I remember a few years back when everyone was getting those anchor tattoos. Do you guys remember that? Like every Christian person, so she's still, so Christy is living two years ago. And Everyone was getting these anchor tattoos, and I'm just like, like, what does that even mean? Like, what, like, are you like a sailor? And why are only Christians getting these anchors on? And then, like, underneath there'd be like a verse, but it just didn't make sense to me. 
in my mind, I'm thinking anchors kind of hold you back from where you want to go, don't they? Like you, you drop an anchor. I remember when I was a kid going fishing, we dropped this anchor and you couldn't go anywhere. Like you were stuck, which sometimes is, is what you want to do. But the Bible says that Christ is the anchor to our souls. See, the anchor in this verse is actually referring to the Roman anchor, which has the two prongs. So the good thing is that like the anchor that people are actually getting tattooed on them is pretty accurate to the Bible. So that was one encouraging thing that I looked at. Um, but that anchor was actually used to slow the ship to help it avoid storms ahead. See, maybe we feel like we're working so hard and not getting to where we want to be. But God is the anchor of our souls, knows the direction where we need to go and the storms that are ahead that we may need to avoid. The anchor of our soul is hope, which we can see in Hebrews 9, 17. You know, it's easy for us to just kind of run through life, go, 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 trying to figure things out. And it's not until we absolutely hit rock bottom that we stop and we say, man, I need a break. And sometimes we just think of a break as a vacation, but God has a plan for us to live a life of rest as we are working. He wants to see our lives healthy, just like when we go to sleep at night and we get that rest, we need that rest for our souls as well. God has set out a plan for us that as we put our faith in Jesus Christ, as we start pursuing him, as we start following and, and taking the inheritance that he gives, that we will have, we will have that rest. I believe that many of us need to just stop for an hour or two, even this week. You know, we can hear a sermon on Sunday and we can say, yeah, that was great. I definitely need rest. And then we go and we never do anything about it. What about if this week we, we take an hour or two to actually just spend time with Jesus, to, to refocus our lives, to, to ask God, hey, God, like, where do you want me to go? Like, is this the right direction? Is this, what dream do you have for me? Am I trying to hold on to a dream that's done? And as, as God gives us new dreams and new directions, as we work towards that, he will give us the rest that, he, that we need. He will give us, he'll give us an abundance of joy. He'll give us freedom. He will take away anxiety. He'll take away fear. Just as our bodies get weary and they need rest at the end of the day, so our souls need to rest regularly. So this week, as we go into our, as we go into our lives, as we go into our sphere of influence, would you just be aware that God is with you, that God is working on your behalf, that God wants to see you healthier than you want to see yourself, that God wants to bring you from where you are into the promised land, that while this promised land might have giants, that it might have enemies and things that you think are so hard, that God is already working, that he's already moving, that he's going to fight on your behalf. So I just want to sing this song, and as, as we're singing this song, you know, if you, if you want to sing, sing. If you don't want to sing, just rest in the presence of God. Let it be a time where you, your soul can be refreshed, and you can look to Christ to be your, the anchor for your soul. You've been listening to The Engage Life, powered by Engage City Church. If you like what you heard, check out EngageChurch.ca.